Welcome to the Old Chick Snowship Podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Arthurton. This podcast is dedicated to helping midlife women step into the inherent power and wisdom of a time of life when they often feel overlooked and underrepresented and even begin to doubt themselves. Each week, we will cover information and inspirational topics along with real stories from real women who are defying cultural stereotypes and perceptions of midlife. Women who are reinventing themselves, starting businesses, chasing their dreams, and tackling challenges they never thought possible. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of the Old Chick Snowship podcast. Today, my guest is Suzanne Poole, who is an, a women's empowerment coach who helps women find success and abundance in business, whether you own your own business or you work a conventional job, and in life through pleasure and what she calls sexy success. Welcome. Welcome. I'm so happy to have you here with us. For those of you who are listening, you might have noticed that over the last little while, I've been talking a lot about this relationship between sex and success. And I'm endlessly fascinated by it because I do not believe, I mean, we are whole beings and all parts of us are connected to all other parts of us. And so while we've been kind of taught to separate things, the intersection of where they all come together to, for me is endlessly fascinating. And we are definitely going to get into that with Suzanne a hundred percent a hundred percent yeah I mean that's really well said yeah this notion of like work-life balance I'm like what's that we have life and work is an aspect of life and right like sex (laughs) is an aspect of life and so a hundred percent that's exactly spot on yeah so So, Suzanne take us through the story of how you got to the work that you are doing because I know there is we chatted before this recording and I know that there is, like, you got to this work through your own experience, and I would love for you to share that with the listeners. Sure. So, yeah, that's really true. It's very much based on my own experience. So for those of you that don't know, I actually trained as a lawyer, and I have a degree in history from one of the most well-known universities in the world, let alone in the UK. And then I became a lawyer in the entertainment industry after I graduated. So, you know, I went to law school and I did my training contract and all of that. And I worked in some really large companies that if I named them, you would know them. And I had a really quite sexy career and things were quite good. But, you know, basically my mother was Jewish and what she really wanted from me was a husband and grandchildren. And you know, I was like, well, I'm a career girl and like that's kind of how it goes and but the other thing to know about me is I'm only five foot three tall which you know for those of you on audio you can't see but even those that can see I'm sitting down so you can't tell (laughs) but I weighed about 250 pounds so you know for a five foot three girl that's quite big you know I knew that I was really brainy and clever but I was kind of related to my I was fat and that impacted my self-esteem quite a lot and it didn't impact my career because I wouldn't let it And I knew that I was good at what I did, but I wasn't very good at relationships. And in fact, in my 30s, I became celibate for seven years and not by intention. It was definitely not a choice. It just kind of happened. But in 2010, I took the decision to kind of I'd been involved in a lot of personal development work and, you know, look at self-inquiry because of how I felt about myself. And I trained as a hypnotherapist and an NLP coach and master practitioner and I lost a bit of weight, but I realized while I was doing that training, I came across the book, Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich. And in Napoleon, it is a great book. Yeah. But there's a really interesting chapter. It's quite a male book. So it's definitely aimed at men, I would say. And it's written all about men by a man. But there's a chapter in there about sexual energy and the transmutation of sexual energy and its connection to the experience of abundance and well-being. 
And I was like, oh, that's quite interesting. <laughs> but I was celibate. Like I, this was right in the middle of my thirties. And there was like, I mean, when I say celibate, I mean, there wasn't even any kissing, let alone actual <laughs> touching. Right. It was nothing. It was like just dry as you get. And I put it down to that I was fat and therefore unattractive. And you could say that I had body issues and like I was, and that would be fair, but it was like, I really thought that the reason I was single was because I was overweight. And like, so that was like, not going to be in a relationship. But then I became quite interested in this kind of ex experience of abundance and sexual energy. I was like, that's quite curious, but I had no way of exploring it because I was, I had no practical experience. Right. So I was academic completely. But then about three so years all later, up, So all up in your head, basically. Yeah, like, so it was, living... being, it was thought about. It was just like kind of, yeah. it was not experiential. It was just kind of like, oh, that's an interesting idea. Right. But no practical reality to it. But then a few years later, I realized in the coaching journey that I was going on that what I'm about is creating fun, freedom, fulfillment for people hmm. with an intention to end war. Because when we are experiencing fun and community and, Friendships, then we don't need to go to war with each other right so I was like oh that's okay and that made sense in my career because I'd worked in entertainment my whole career so as a lawyer but always in entertainment I was like oh that's interesting and I realized well that's not just about the outside like that's not just about the external world like I'm equally entitled to that experience of fun freedom or fulfillment I was like okay and what if I generate that for myself what happens mm. but then I, I was like okay fine and then about two days later, I got a call from a friend of mine saying, do you want to come to a singles night? I was like, uh, really? Uh, okay. Haven't been to one of them for a while, but I said yes. And the following weekend, I went to a singles, I went to this singles night and met a guy and we went out on a date the following weekend. And those seven years of very dry cobwebs <laughs> were nicely eradicated, shall we say. Okay. <laughs> And I was like, oh, the bits do still work. That's good. And at the same time, I also got a new job. And I at least doubled, if not tripled, my income. So mm. that's quite interesting. And I just kind of didn't really put the two together. But I was like, that's quite curious. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of parked it. And, but then it happened again about a year, 18 months later. And then I started to get into relationships with so part of what um sexual energy transmutation talks about is being willing to expand boundaries and explore aspects of who we are as people mm. and I started to explore kink and other practices that I hadn't otherwise engaged in because I had a partner to ex engage with them in them with and so I started exploring myself as a sexual being in a way and it was really interesting because again my money situation changed and I started getting promoted at work and getting new jobs and getting new opportunities coming to me. And I was like, how does that work? And I realized it had nothing to do with the fact that I was having amazing sex. It had to do with how I felt about myself and what I was willing to put out in the world. Mm. But part of the reason that I was willing to put it out in the world was because I was experiencing a sense of satisfaction and fulfillment in myself because I was exploring aspects of my being that I hadn't explored before. And I was open to new experiences. And that's where the connection between sex and sexual energy and success really comes in. It's about that abundance experience. And that's what I do with women now is like really empowering ourselves to understand who we are and what it is that we want that enables for that sense of joy and fulfillment to really be 
manifest in the world, which then allows for that wealth and abundance to come towards us because that's what we're radiating. Right. So as you're talking, I'm thinking that, so you're talking about being in a place of well-being, feeling good about yourself, feeling good about your life, and then that attracting more of what you want into your life. Yes. But are there other ways? So sex is not the only way, right? Or I'm just curious, like like sex is one way to kind of explore that joy, the pleasure aspect, but can the same thing be done through other modalities? Yes. Yeah, so the first thing to say is like, we normally think of sex involving at least two people. I mean, if you're like that way inclined, it might involve more than two people. Right. Um, but, you know, but the, the reality of it is it actually doesn't need to involve two people. It can just be with yourself. Like, you know, I mean, I don't know about you, but we all enjoy it. Like, well, pre- I know that I enjoy, you know, having vibrators and toys and also touching myself it gives a sense of well-being so so that experience of pleasure is possible by yourself just through being willing to explore your body and explore what like the sensuality of your own experience but equally yes it doesn't need to I mean sex is good like we sex is fun as long as you bring the kind of silliness and the the playfulness to sex that is available when you have a good sex life and you want you feel confident about yourself like if we get serious about sex and like worry about what the partner that you're sleeping with is going to think about your body then that that kind of experience goes out the window and that's equally the case about bringing that fulfillment and that fun to your life independent of your sex life it's really about understanding who we are like appreciating ourselves appreciating what's important to us it's like what I said earlier when I was recounting my story where I realized like the point of transformation if you like I don't like that word but the point where it pivoted for me was when I realized that what I'm about is fun freedom and fulfillment for people and that had nothing to do with sex right it had to do with that I was really willing to engage in what do I find satisfying so being with people, being in communication with people, listening authentically, sharing authentically is what I value highly. And when I'm that way out in the world, then that is what I receive. And that right. elevates my sense of well-being. So what you're talking about really is just giving ourselves permission to be our authentic self, no matter what that is, right? So for some people, it could be sex. For other people, it could be hot air ballooning. I don't know. (laughs) I'm making it up, but like whatever it is that you feel called to, like rather than shooting yourself or, you know, oh, I shouldn't do that. Or I don't have time to do that. Like just really kind of allowing yourself to do the things that feel good to you. That's right. Like you've used a couple of words there, Jennifer, that are so interesting. So you used allow. Mm -hmm. Allowing is critical to the sense of it because it's like, we don't let ourselves, it's conditioned in us as women. You know, and particularly women of a certain age, you know, like I'm in my late 40s and, you know, I'm going through the process, menopause and all of that. Mm -hmm. And it's like we're supposed, you know, we're not allowed to feel sense of joy or, you know, the kids are around and we've been through the pandemic as well. And it's like there's a lot of obligation that exists and that's quite it's a burden and it feels very heavy. And when we bring that sense of lightness, because we understand what brings us joy and we allow ourselves to experience that joy, then that is what brings pleasure to our lives. It might be joy and pleasure in going for a walk. It might be in like staying in bed all day and like staying in your pajamas, because that's not like something that we do. That's typically okay. But it's just like giving yourself that sense of allowing. 
people dress it up as self-care. I'm like, you want to call it self-care? That's fine. But like the caring word makes it feel like it's kind of preventing mm-hmm. something bad from happening because it's like right. care. I'm like, no, this is just I'm giving myself permission to experience everything that I want to experience. And sometimes it's difficult. Like that's quite like there might be sadness present. There might be anger present. But it's like this is what there is. Okay, fine. I'm just going to experience it and not make it wrong. And like and, you know, and just allow for that space to be there. And that's why I pointed to that word allow. And then Mm -hmm. the other word that you used in what you just said was should. I hate Mm -hmm. that word. Yeah. Like yeah. when you should all over yourself, it's like, you know what it is that we're saying to you, which is you're not shooting all over yourself. You're doing something else to yourself because when we use should, it's like, well, this isn't okay for me. And that isn't okay. And it, like, it should be different from how it is. And that's yeah. just like, we're that's basically- asking for trouble. Yeah. We're basically making ourselves wrong every time we should. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you just said like allowing yourself to experience what you want to experience. Like that statement really hit me because one of the biggest things in my own reinvention journey was like, I decided somewhere along the way that I was like, my next chapter, I want it to be like, uh, it needs to ignite my passion and like, get me excited every day. Like, I don't want to go through the world through the rest of my life, just kind of putting in the time and waiting till some prescribed retirement date <laughs> out in the future. Like I want to feel passionate and excited about my life. And when I made that decision I actually came face to face with, am I going to allow myself to be able to do that? Because I did find myself shooting. Like I would be doing something that I love, like podcasting, for example. And then I'd be like, well, I really should be doing this. Or I should go over here and do this because it makes more money. Or I should, I should, I should, as opposed to being like, I just want to feel passionate and excited. This is what makes me feel passionate and excited. And I think so many of us have this, and you mentioned this, this programming that I mean, we picked up from the time we were in school about what is acceptable and right. That really has nothing to do with who we are as people. It's from the external world. That's right. And it's particularly endemic for women. You know, particularly like, for it, women, it, yes. It exists for men. There's a notion of how you're supposed to conform that, that everybody is supposed to subscribe to, right? But right. for women, it's worse. And it's tragic, actually. It's tragic because it really killed, like, you know, what you said about kind of like going to work every day, like the classic example is in a corporate environment. And I've been in corporate environments, so I know what this is like, where it's soul destroying. You're bored out of your tree. You've been doing the same work for like 20 years. You might have got promoted up the line, but it's like you kind of reached the end of the point, but you go to work because you have to. And you're waiting for the day where they give you the golden handshake and they say, thank you very much. You're retired. Here's your pension. Yeah. Right. Which, by the way, is increasingly rare in our world. Like it just doesn't happen like like because final salary pensions in the UK, like they went out 20 years ago. You know, so that just doesn't even really happen anymore either. And it happens less for women because those cultures are very masculine in nature and they don't appreciate the kind of proneness that there is in a woman of a certain age. And so we're like, you know for men it's bad but it's like worse for us so we're like retired at 45 whereas they get to go to 65 yeah i just read this is the north american study that said that women reach their peak earnings at age 44 yeah so it's like basically saying past 44 we don't really see the value that you're providing therefore you don't get to earn and men reach their peak earnings at 55 and like 57 that's right exactly yeah and that their peak earnings are like something like 40 percent higher Exactly. I mean, it's just 
don't even get me started about the high, kind of like the misogynistic sexist environment that they, those operations are. But exactly. That's exactly right. And then you look at the board makeup at the senior level and it's like maybe they've got one one woman on a 15 person board. Right. Exactly, it's like, exactly. It doesn't happen. You know, it's like that. So there's just this kind of cultural dismissal of a woman, you know, a woman, you said 44. Well, that's about the age that we start perimenopause. Exactly. Right? So just this kind of like, so it's like that whole process is like disregarded. So a woman, yeah. like you, you reach the point when childbearing is like no longer like that's stopped and your useful function to society is gone. Yeah. It's like, okay, you're done. Here you are. You're put out to pasture now. Yeah. And it's like, but the reality is we've got at least 30, probably 30 years, maybe 40 or even 50 years with like yeah. longevity, right? Of being completely well mentally. Maybe our bodies like move differently, but, but equally, so what, right? We've got completely productive years ahead of us, but society says, no, you're yeah. done. Yeah. But also the sense of satisfaction goes away because mostly we're in those jobs because they pay well. Right. And actually what you're saying, Jennifer, is that what we're interested in, and I know this to be the case for me, too. It's like I want to help people. I like having conversations with people. Yeah. I like igniting people's passion for them. And, and I don't mean like me telling them what they should be passionate about, but like having them find it for themselves and like lighting a Tinder to it. Right. Right. Or getting them on Tinder so that they can have some fun. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Because because it's fun, like, because if that's what you want, like, I'm not going to judge, like, we're not here to judge. It's like, go and have fun and find out what it is that literally lights your fire. Yeah. Really? Well, and that's the thing, because the other part, like, is we are cultured as women to see our value in what we do for others, right? Like how we serve other people. And so in the process of doing for others, we, we're like last on the list, if we even make the list at all. Right. You know, and this was a big struggle for me. Like when I kind of reached the lowest of, of the lows and I was like, you know, burnt out, sick in bed, no job, no husband. <laughs> My kid had left for the school. Right. And like going there going, who am I and what do I want? And I was like, wow, who knew that I had no idea what I wanted? Like what yeah. makes me happy? I couldn't even tell you that because I That's literally exactly. had been going through the motions of my life, doing what I needed to do, all of the duties and obligations. That's right. Yeah. I mean, it's really interesting that you say that because I had a conversation with somebody just earlier today about that very thing. It's like, you know, she's like, well, I'll be happy when my husband's happy. I'm happy when my clients are happy. And I'm like, no. Yeah. Like, but then you're dependent on your happiness for other people being happy and you can't control whether they're going to be happy or not. Right. You can only control your own happiness. And actually what there is is for you to be happy, however they are, because when you're happy, then actually it's an example for them. And they might like then inquire for into their own happiness. Right. But yeah. like, as you say, as women, we're not conditioned that way because it's like. I've got to make sure that my husband and my children are fine before I can take care of myself. And it's like, but then, you know, I'm sorry to hear of, like, of your situation. But sadly, it's like not that uncommon. It's, it's like, not. you know, in our kind of late 40s, early 50s, we find ourselves divorced. And, you know, as we said, we've reached the peak of our career and the company that we're working for has decided we're on the shelf and that's the end of that. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's like, what the hell am I going to do with my life now? Yeah. And it's actually like, but those are your most productive times, provided you find yourself of sufficient value that you're worth investing in and finding out what it is that's important to you. Because Amen. every single one of us is a diamond. Amen. Preach it, sister. I, exactly. You took the words right out of my mouth, right? That is my mission on this planet, right? Is to help women 
see themselves differently as we age, because like we become obsessed with our face and our bodies and, you know, wrinkles and, you know, gray hair and all of that kind of stuff. And when we're in that obsession, we are completely missing the important part, which is who we are. Right. Like, yeah, I was looking at an Instagram. I'm not going to name her, but I was looking at an Instagram, the Instagram account of somebody that I idolized in the 80s. I mean, literally, like I am a super fan of this woman and she is over 60. Mm-hmm. And I was look now I know that there are filters and there's all that on Instagram. But I was like looking at the pictures and I was like, she didn't even look like that when she was in her 20s. <laughs> right. Right. And, and I was just like how much surgery has she had? Yeah. And I was left with like, I feel sorry for you. Like Mm -hmm. I felt sorry Mm -hmm. for her because I was like, how are you relating to yourself that that's what you need to do for you? Yeah. She's a big star and like, you know, she's a big celebrity and the world follows her. But I was just like, it's so sad that you would just feel that that's so necessary. But to me, that's part of the patriarchal culture that we live in, right? Because if we can keep women obsessed with, you know, (laughs) creams and potions and hair dye and cosmetics, right? Like you're focused somewhere else, right? Like it's another way to kind of keep women, I want to say down, (laughs) right? To keep them occupied so that they're not doing what they should be doing, that they're not realizing their whole selves. Exactly. I mean, it's kind of like, how can I put this? I don't know if you've ever watched The Crown on Netflix. I have not. Okay, so The Crown is about our queen in the United Kingdom, where I'm based. And there's this experience that you have where I look at the queen's life and she came to the throne when she was like 25 years old and she's been on the throne this year for 70 years. Incredible woman. (laughs) But there was a period in the 70s and 80s where she was quite unpopular. Mm. And if you think about it, in the 70s and 80s, she was in her 40s and her 50s. Right. But it's like she only really came back to popularity in about the early 2000s when she was a grandma, right? When she was a proper grandma and she's like the nation's grandma. It like you've got to look at that and think, yeah, so she was popular when she was in her 20s because she's like the youthful queen, right? Like, and everyone kind of wants to embrace her and sort of like support her because she's youthful and it was the 50s anyway, right? So we're just recovering from the war and, yeah. and all of that. But then there's this whole period in the middle part where she was just kind of like, you know, not people didn't really pay that much attention and it was only when she got into her 60s and 70s that she started really being adopted as the the grandmother of the nation and the kind of crony the kind of recognized for that crone wisdom and that's what I'm pointing to it's like this experience that women have of like okay all you're good for is children and bearing children and raising children whether you have children or not and I don't have any children but it's like once you reach that point of like 45 mid 40s Mm -hmm. like okay done Right. Until you're about 65. Yeah. So there's 20 years of productive life experience where society says "Eh, eh." you're right to say it's like the classic example of the patriarchy because they don't know what to do with us. Now, I mean, partly, partly it's and I'm sorry, you're getting me on my hobby horse now here, but I love it. (laughs) It's like partly is that we're all living longer. So there literally is this kind of transition that we've never had to deal with before because we all died kind of in our early, our 50s or our early 60s. So now we're like living longer. But equally, it's like this sense of I'm valuable. And it's not that I'm like, I'm valuable because I'm valuable. Yes. And not like because of X, Y and Z, but because I say I have value. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to put that out in the world. Yeah. 
That is so true. I actually termed the years between motherhood and crone because this was the other thing, you know, as I started on my own reinvention journey, as I started to look at the portrayal of women in society, right? It was like maiden mother and there was crone. And the crone was like, just like we were talking about Queen Elizabeth, this wizened old woman, you know, sitting on the mountaintops. And I was like, but I don't relate to that. Okay. So I'm not a mom anymore, but I'm also not that. So like, what is this chunk of time in between? Like, what is that all about? And that was where I found the void. And I was like, holy crap. Okay. This is crazy. Right. So I've termed these the maven years, because if you look up the dictionary definition of the word maven, it says an expert with knowledge and wisdom to share. And I was like, bingo, that's it. (laughs) I accept. Yeah. That's great. And the thing that I love about the maven years is that we are old enough to have acquired a ton of life experience, knowledge, wisdom, and we are young enough to put it into action, right? To change the world. Like we are young enough to do something with it. Yeah. It's not like we're going to impart this wisdom and then leave the planet. We're like, no, no, I got 40 years here. Like this is the exactly. longest part of my life. Exactly. I accept, you know, there's, it's one of the funny things. It's like we go through menopause or like, you know, we hit our kind of late forties and we think, oh, you know, society says we're on the shelf but it's actually like we've got as much of our adult life left as we've already lived of life and 20 years of that life that we'd already lived was as children (laughs) exactly so we've got actually more productive years ahead of us than we've already had behind us that's right 100 percent 100 and it's just like what but I mean, but it, the thing is a complete cultural shift. I mean, it was so interesting, Jennifer, when you were saying that, because I started thinking about Shakespeare, which is a really random thing to think about. And I'm sorry <laughs> about that. But I was thinking about the three witches in Macbeth, mm. right? And they're a pivotal character in the play. And I said the play name, oh, not allowed to say that. Sorry, the Scottish. <laughs> anyway, never mind. We're not on theatre. We're not in the theatre. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, it's like the three witches in Macbeth, they're typically played in that kind of crone level. Right. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. the play is about the 1200s. So those women were in their early 40s. <laughs> yeah, exactly. At most. Exactly. At most. At most. Yeah. Right. And it was only as I was listening to you sharing about like Maven and that kind of period, I was like, wow, isn't that interesting? So it's like we typically, like in the 20th and 21st centuries, have been portraying these pivotal characters in that play as kind of crones and like in their late 50s, early 60s. So in that kind of heading into that crone period that we're talking about, but actually they were very much in that maven area and they had a pivotal role to play in the way that the the story unfolds. And it's like, isn't that like, huh? So Shakespeare recognized it 400 years, 500 years ago. Yeah. But something happened in the 18th century, which we're not going to go into, that turned it on its head, but it's time to change it again. And I, exactly. like, you know, recognize old chicks, no shit. Yes. Like, yeah. It's tongue in cheek, but it's a nod to the fact that we are not irrelevant. Like we have so much going for us at this time in our life. So I'm curious, how many of your clients kind of fall into this midlife women scenario? Like what percentage all of your of clients? All of them. All of them. Yeah. So like I typically work, well, I say all of them, not all of them. Like I've worked with women in their thirties, but, but I mostly work with women that are between 45 and 62. Mm. Occasionally I have women that are a bit older than 65, but they're kind of in that period. They come to me and they're like, Oh, I'm looking towards retirement. I'm like, what are you talking about? not looking towards retirement because what does retirement mean retire like it's originated from the french word retire which means to lie down (laughs) 
right? So these are not women that are ready to retire. I think I'm going to go lie down now. <laughs> like, oh, I'm ready to lie down. Oh no. my goodness. You've got like way too much to do. So yeah, so that's typically. And just to go back to the whole part about the sex well-being abundance mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we really like do explore you know that like your body type and your body size has really nothing to do with your body image and we do explore what it is that's going to turn you on and i say turn you on and let get your juices flowing not just in bed and not just sexually but literally like spark that fire in life so when women come to you are they coming to you because they've lost their sexual spark? Is that like the reason that they walk in the door and they're specifically looking for that? Or is it just like, yeah, there's something missing. Like Um, I'm I'm disconnected from myself. Mostly they come because they're like either in a relationship and they're uncomfortable about the sexual aspects of that relationship Mm -hmm. or they're single and they want to, they're a bit nervous about going back into the dating pool. Some, you know, I work with women business owners really because the connection between abundance and like experiencing taking the lid off your business and your sexual well-being is quite connected, as I talked about. Right. So that's another area. But mostly in my personal coaching practice, yes, they come because they're aware that their sex life isn't, well, it may not ever have been like we think it's going to be in our 20s, but it's like they know there's more available to them and they want to explore that. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you navigate the topic of sex, pleasure, and menopause? Because for a lot of women, menopause is, well, so much is happening in our bodies, hormonally, everything. And like for a lot of women, telling me (laughs) and and myself included, I mean, like menopause for me was like a two by four to the face. Like it was just like, what? Like everything, like I had everything, every hot flash, night sweats, insomnia, joint pains, heart palpitation, like you name it. I was like, And my first thought was my body is betraying me. So, you know, it's taken me a while to work through that. And I've done like a ton of embodiment work and I've come to see menopause as something very different than what it is, but it's really hard for a lot of us, I think, to honor that sexual part of us when we literally feel like our bodies are betraying us. Like, how do you navigate that with your clients? Well, I think it goes back to what we were talking about earlier in terms of allowing us to feel like allowing the space of feeling how it is that we're feeling. So, you know, I mean, I completely, you know, I'm going through the process of perimenopause and menopause right now myself. I still have regular periods, but it's like I'm definitely in it. I know that. <laughs> right. And, you know, my libido, my sex drive is like all over the shop. And my boyfriend, because I'm not married, my boyfriend is like, you don't want to sleep with me. And I'm like, you're tired all the time. And I'm like, well, sometimes I am tired and sometimes I'm actually horny than I've ever right. been. Right. And it's just like, you don't make that wrong. It's like, just allow it to be how it is. Mm. And our bodies do change, you know, like our hormone levels will like are different. So, mm. you know, it comes down to what is an effective relationship with ourselves and with the people that are around us. So it's being communicative. And, you know, I love that you and I are having this conversation, right? Because how many women actually talk frankly about what it is to go through the menopause? And like, you know, I mean, I'm constantly surprised. I'm in a Facebook group of people, of women going through perimenopause. I see the posts about like, oh, I feel like I just have no sex drive or my sex drive is through the roof. And, you know, and, and like night sweats and, like periods that are two weeks long and then not for three months or like every three weeks or like, you know, and just like also, and my appetite that goes like bonkers and irrationality and like uncontrollable mood swings, crying, shouting, like feeling euphoria, like all of it. Right. It's just literally like, like that. 
Mm-hmm. The thing that I say, like, you've got to experience whatever there is for you because we're all going through, like, there is a common experience to it, but it's unique. Like, your sets so of experiences, you are not the same as mine. They're just not. No. And, and so having spaces where we can share that and feeling okay in relationships to be able to experience that is really important. And I think that's one thing that women are very good at is that we're actually – you know, we can create spaces for ourselves where we can create yeah. sense of community yeah. with other women, particularly. Yeah. You know, but like I know in corporate environments, they just have no understanding of it at all. You know, and there's like all campaigns about like supporting menopause and how valuable women are over 45 and all of this. But they just really haven't got a clue. They haven't well, got a clue. In the UK, you guys are light years ahead of us in North America in terms of the acknowledgement and the support for menopause. Like it's still like not even a, a mention here, like in the corporate world. It's like, what? Nope, nope. But I, and well, I know. I mean, yeah, I get that. Yeah. There's a whole lot of reasons for that. Like, you know, and we've got a lot to like, you know, the Me Too movement has a lot to answer for in terms of it's actually repressed the ability for us to have those kind of conversations because yeah. people are like, we can't talk about this. It's not OK. Yeah. We're going to get sued. Yeah. yeah. Well, but the pendulum swung the other way a little oh, too far exactly. and hopefully it'll yeah. come back in the middle. Yeah. But I mean, like you talked about, everybody's experience of menopause is different. Like I know people who had no symptoms at all, like just breeze through it. And then there was me who was like, OK, is, is it, it's written in a book somewhere. I got it. And I read this somewhere. And I think it was like a, a Christian Northrup, who is an OBGYN here in, in, in the U.S. Uh, and yeah. she said the extent of your menopause symptoms are directly related to how misaligned you are from your truth. Really? And I was like, hmm, this is pretty interesting because when menopause hit me, like I, you know, was in the corporate world, you know, I was a mom, I was a wife, it was in the corporate world. I was a gym rat. You know, I did all the things that I thought I was supposed to be doing to be accepted. And most of those things were like not basically aligned with me, like who I am as a person. Mm-hmm. Right. And so when I read that, that was for me, it was like, wow. And it really started leading me, you know, the whole process really led me to discovering who I was and becoming my most authentic self and allowing myself, like we talked about, allowing myself the permission to be who I am and to do the things that I love and the things that light me up. Right. And that's where I think, you know, again, it's like, well, I shouldn't have gray hair. I shouldn't have gained 30 pounds during menopause. I shouldn't have, you know, this is all wrong. And like fighting against it as opposed to accepting that, oh, Hmm. Okay. This is interesting. This is a, you know, a process of discovery for me, me with my body. Like I have a completely different relationship with my body now in menopause than I did a far better relationship with my body in menopause than I did in my twenties, thirties, for sure. I mean, that's interesting. Yeah. I'm going to have to take a look at that because I'm definitely suffering with, I mean, I like to think that I'm quite aligned with who I am and like, but equally, that's really interesting. I, I respect Christiane North a lot. So that's really interesting to hear. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. Is it true for everybody? I don't know. But for me, when I read those words, it was just like, bingo, light went off and it was like, oh, okay. And so I have actually come to see menopause now as being an alert to the fact that, hey, sister, what's been working for you before is not working for you now. And you need to make some changes. You need to align with who you are authentically. Oh, that is definitely the case. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. yeah 100%. Yeah. yeah. So it's fascinating. So again, maybe that's not true for everybody. And there will be people out there who would say, yeah, I had a horrendous menopause and I'm totally aligned with myself. But I encourage everybody to kind of 
think about that one for a minute. Like, are there places where you are misaligned with who you are? Yeah. And also, like I'd say, like where you don't give yourself the permission to just be as you are. And like, I think that's the critical piece. It's like because of the patriarchal masculine environment in which we do still operate, it's not okay for us to feel those feelings and experience those experiences because we're all supposed to be on this kind of hamster wheel of continually energetic keeping Mm -hmm. going. And so for me, it's like it goes back to the piece that we were talking about earlier about allowing and permission to be just as we are without fighting it. That was quite a critical moment, definitely. So, yeah, and and I think too the thing that you've alluded to that you work with your clients on is allowing ourselves pleasure, right? So we talked about that, and like not seeing pleasure as this thing that I fit in when everything else on the list is checked off. It's the bottom of the line because it's like it's not productive, therefore it doesn't matter. And the one thing that I have learned more than anything is to prioritize my own pleasure in my life for the in this chapter. Amen. Like, yeah. that's right. Because, and it goes back to what I was saying when I was speaking to somebody earlier about, you know, well, when my husband's happy, I'll be happy. And when my clients are happy, I'll be happy. It's like, no, because actually, if you prioritize your own happiness first, then you'll demonstrate to them what it is to be happy. They don't know right now how to be happy and how to experience that pleasure. You can't rely on other people giving you pleasure. Like they're living in their own worlds. You've got to be responsible for yourself. It's about personal responsibility and accountability. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like as women, that has definitely not been, we're accountable for everybody else's pleasure and happiness before our own. I totally agree with you, Jennifer. I think that's a really wise thing. And the most beautiful part about that is in, I now consider my number one job is to manage my state. Like, am I happy? Am I feeling fulfilled? What do I need right now? And in the process of managing my own happiness and pleasure, everything else, like I'm probably as productive, if not more productive than I've ever been. But I put that now at the front of the list and not at the back of the list, the part that I never actually got to. Right. Right. So my day starts with, you know, a walk or a workout or, you know, meditation or, you know, going by the lake, like all of those things just make me feel really, really good. And so when I'm in that state, everything else in the rest of my day will flow. It will just fall into place and it will feel effortless. Very good. Yeah. 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 I start with journaling, but I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, like journaling is definitely meditation and journaling for sure. But it is all about filling my day, starting my day with the things that feel really, really good to me. Bringing yourself back to yourself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Well put, bringing myself back to myself. Yeah. So is there like the number one tip that you would give women who are struggling to find their pleasure or even know what brings them pleasure? Like what's the number one thing that you would tell them to do? So I actually mentioned it just now. I would start with journaling. Okay, perfect. Um, you know, I think your point, you talked about movement as well, like working out or walking. I think walking is the best because yeah. walking is like a very natural state of affairs. Going yeah. to the gym is not a natural state of affairs. Right. But going out for a walk, where, you know, I know I live in a big city, you do too. It's like finding nature can be difficult. The more natural the environment that you go for a walk in, oh, for sure. the better. But it's like just getting out and getting fresh air. If you can find some vitamin D, even better. Sunshine in the UK in the winter is difficult to come by. But right. but it's like, you know, going out into fresh air and like moving your body is critical. Yeah. And then allowing yourself to process your thoughts. Because 
we don't give ourselves the ability like we have thoughts and we suppress them or we think they're like we shouldn't be having them or like whatever it is but actually so that's why I say journaling you know Julia Cameron wrote a book that's very famous Mm. called The Artist's Way a series of books it is and she talks about the morning pages which is like three pages of streaming consciousness you could do three pages of like legal paper or a letter paper whatever if you want doesn't have to be that much but Allowing yourself to process the thoughts that you're having is the first step because eventually your inner critic will stop and you will start to hear the actual, the inner power. Yes. So that's where that would always be my first step. Yeah. And then writing your story, like the other thing, writing it by hand, writing all the shit down that you've experienced and then burning it, like literally setting fire to it because it clears the space. Energetic, we're moving in. We're clearing the space. Yeah. That's amazing. So I loved this conversation. It was a very passionate conversation and I could talk about this all day, Good. but where can women find you if they want to find more about the work and finding their sexy success? So you can connect with me on social media. I have a Facebook group called Unleash Your Inner Vixen, which you're welcome hmm. to join. Okay. It's private women's Facebook group. So feel free to connect with me there. And then you can reach out to me through my website, keys to passion and profit.com where you can okay. connect with me and join my mailing list and find out more about me book a call with me the best way to reach out to me is that way and then to just get on a call and like let's have a conversation I love talking to people so <laughs> Well, thank you so much. Like this was a great, great conversation. So to my listeners, let me leave you with this. Prioritize your pleasure. First thing that you do in every single solitary day, prioritize your pleasure and watch how your life will change. So until next time, stay tuned. Thank you for listening to the Old Chicks No Shit podcast. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give is to share this podcast with a friend, subscribe, rate and review our podcast on iTunes or wherever it is that you listen in.